Good day, listeners. This is your host, Michael Martins, with the Martins Critical Review, broadcasting from a sunny afternoon from the studio here in Lake Country, British Columbia, with Mitch Carlson at the production controls. In today's episode, we welcome Pastor Artur Palowski to the program. Artur was born in Poland during the Soviet communist regime. Eventually, he and his family fled that tyrannical dictatorship and emigrated to Canada. Archer is the founder and pastor of Street Church Ministries, where he engages in open-air preaching and Christian street outreach, including feeding the homeless. The Calgary Police and the Alberta Health Services have persecuted Archer with their continued unlawful and unconstitutional COVID-19 measures related to places of worship. In a video which has now gone viral, Pastor Palowski can be seen demanding that police officers and health officials leave his church immediately as they enter his church and disrupt Passover celebrations. This event reminded Archer of his youth and the many abuses suffered by the Polish people at the hands of their oppressors. That video seriously embarrassed the Alberta Health Services and the Calgary Police on an international scale. They've responded in force by issuing a secret warrant using undisclosed evidence. This warrant allows a health inspector to enter the church without notice to disrupt the sanctity of his church, and should he refuse, he will be taken before a judge using any force necessary and tossed into jail for contempt. Archer is loudly sounding the alarm for all Canadians, imploring them to push back against this evil tyranny before it's too late. His message to all Canadians is that lions should never bow before the hyenas. Pastor Polowski, it's a great honor to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me in. Very good. So first off, uh, let's begin this discussion with a look back at your youth in communist Poland. I think it's very important for people here to understand what was like in the Soviet-controlled and oppressed Poland. Uh, can you paint us a picture, please? Well, if I can give you one word for communism and socialism, that would be hell, living in hell, depression, people turning into alcohol, the first thing that you received when you entered uh, somebody else's house when you were invited was the bottle of vodka on the table people were drinking all the time i mean it was insanity i see a huge parallel right now because the liquor stores in our country are open and i hear more and more of people turning into drugs and alcohol and that was the reason because when there is no hope when there is depression people are trying to fix the problem with all the wrong things and that's exactly what was happening in poland when the Europe was celebrating the end of the Nazism and the death of their fear out of Hitler, Poland was invaded by the Soviets. Soviets took over Poland and they implemented communism and socialism. Tens of thousands of Polish people were murdered, many, many arrested, tortured for many years. and. Uh, I grew up in a country hearing the stories about the Gestapo, SS, the fascism in Poland uh, when the Germany invaded Poland in 1939. And of course, I witnessed with my own eyes what the communism was all about. You could be arrested five in the morning for no reason, just because someone said uh, you were listening to, let's say, European radio, which was prohibited by law. If you were caught listening to the European radio or there was suspicion that you were listening to an outside outside source of the mainstream propaganda machinery, you would be tortured, beaten, taken before the courts, arrested and sentenced to jail. If you were caught with one American dollar, you could go for a year to jail, two years just, just for that crime. 
snitches everywhere. The whole country uh, was uh, was under bribes. Everyone was bribing everyone. It was corruption at the levels that people do not understand. If you wanted to buy something, you had to bribe. If you wanted to do something, you had to bribe the police. You had to bribe the doctors, the nurses, the teachers. Everyone was bribing everyone all the time. That's communism and socialism. If you wanted to buy something, you just couldn't go to the store. Like we have Safeways and Walmarts or superstores, Ikeas and Costco's. You couldn't just go to the store because there was nothing in the store. I remember the times when I walked into the store and the only thing that was on the shelves was vinegar because the Russians didn't want vinegar and they were not stealing that from Poland. So a huge corruption. I remember the time when my parents um, learned that there is going to be a coffee because you couldn't just go and buy coffee. You couldn't just go and buy meat. You couldn't just go and buy whatever you needed. There were food stamps under communism. There were food stamps and the government was allocating how much meat you can buy a month and what and what kind of meat you can buy a month it was unbelievable people have no idea what socialism and communism does to a country it destroyed poland completely economically and spiritually and uh, that's why people were turning into into alcohol because to cope with this destruction you know that was their only solution and god was at the center as well. So some turned into alcohol, others turned into God. And of course, Christianity was outlawed. Yes, they permitted Catholics to exist. However, the communists did not believe in God and the faith was being persecuted throughout the years. Priests were murdered and arrested on a regular basis. Uh, People that were going to church from time to time were intimidated, harassed. And the tactics were, if they couldn't get to you, they would take pictures of your children, of your wife, and then they would blackmail you. So blackmail, terror, arrests, beatings were a norm, if you will. And of course, the judges were corrupted. I know, let me add something. Throughout all of this time, Poland had a constitution. And in that, in, within the constitution, we had a certain protection, human rights. But for communists and fascists, there is nothing holy. There's no constitution. They don't care about your human rights. And just like we see right now in Saudi Arabia or in China, uh, the human rights are out of the window or no, North Korea. No one cares about your rights. You know, the state the state uh, policy, the communistic party was the state religion and the leader of that party was God. So whatever the leader said, whatever fear said, it was law. Whatever Stalin said was law. And of course, the Armenians afterwards were were following their master's orders. 50,000 communists enslaved 36 million Poles. A horrible, horrible way to grow up. However, I saw also a glimpse of hope because in 1981, I saw Polish people said, you know, they came together and they said enough, it's enough. During solidarity movement, they took it to the streets and they said to the communistic party, that's it, we will not comply, we will not work with you, you're corrupted, you're evil, you have enslaved and destroyed the nation, just like the politicians are doing today, because there is no difference. 
whatsoever. What they're doing right now has been done before. They're following a script, they're reading from the same book, and they're el eliminating middle class, the small and medium-sized businesses. To enslave a nation, you have to get rid of the middle class because that's your power. People are highly educated, well-traveled, they got the means to hire a lawyer and go after corrupted politicians. That's why there is this greatest elimination of the middle class we have ever seen in the history of humankind. So that was growing up under dictatorship of communism. You could not leave the country. It was what they said, what they allowed. If you were a good snitch, if you were snitching on the neighbors, on your family, uh, preferably if you were a good snitch and you snitch on your family, then you were a hero within the communistic party. You could go to other nations, you could travel, they would give you a passport. And if you were not good snitch, if you didn't belong to the communistic party, then you were constantly harassed, intimidated, and uh, penalized. So on that part then, Artur, am I correct that the average Polish citizen had no means to leave the country at all? No, no. If you tried, I see, in my family, uh, I have a perfect example. My, uh, my wife's mother, so my mother-in-law, she wanted to escape this horrible place. It was like I said, hell on earth. She wanted to escape and she found, uh, she found someone that forged the documents because the government would not give you documents to leave the country. And she forged the documents to escape dictatorship, the tyranny of the communistic party. She was caught. So she was sentenced years in jail, and my wife was born in jail wow. during wow. that time. Wow! I so mean, they had no, they had no problem arresting women, pregnant women, and sentencing them to jail because they wanted to escape the horrors of the communistic dictatorship. Dictatorship. So my wife was born behind bars. Amazing. I mean, and what you're describing, unfortunately, sounds very much like what's happening in Canada right now around us. Yes, you know, for, you know. let me talk about British Columbia. You have this uh, so-called chief medical officer, Bonnie Crombie, and she just locked you up about a month ago, if I remember correctly. She put uh, the whole thing at the lockdown, and off she went to see her family on a private chopper. So we're talking about the same situation. One law for me, one law for thee. We're being told, stay home, save lives, while at at the same time, they're giving themselves a race while we are losing businesses and our livelihood is being destroyed. And they go to Florida, they go to Belize, Barbados, Hawaii, Europe, vacationing and having good time because they got the means. And even though they're not working right now for almost a year, they're still receiving a very big fat salaries while at the same time, the rest of the society is being completely destroyed. Why? Because they want to create only two categories of people, extremely powerful and rich. That's, that's why Walmart, Costco, Ikea, you know, superstores and all those big chains are allowed to operate. But the little store, which is safer, let's, let's just follow their line of thinking. Less people, less problems, right? So the small businesses should be open and the big chains should be locked down. But that's not the case because we know it's a big fat lie. They're eliminating the little guy, destroying the small and medium sized businesses. So they will have only extremely powerful and rich. rich. That's why all those big chains are uh, having a highest 
highest incomes in their careers, billionaires, they become trillionaires, and the little people are being destroyed because they need the second category, they need slaves. And to do that, they have to subdue uh, the society. And the only way they can do that is by eliminating the means to fight them and by tyranny. And what we are seeing right now is medical tyranny. The government is using medical tyranny against its own people. They should be charged with treason. All of those people that are participating in this should be charged with treason. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and hopefully we see some form of a Nuremberg style trial come to bear. Uh, which uh, all the police officers who are disobeying their oaths, all these public officials who are involved in this uh, problem, they all need to stand trial and, and pay some form of re uh, reparations, whether that's jail time, execution, or, or, or money. There, there needs to be some correcting of this problem here. Um, and, and Archer, would I be correct to assume that you escaped uh, Poland or were you allowed to leave uh, later on once the Iron Curtain fell? No, we actually were denied three times the visa to go out. So we had to hire a boat. We actually escaped on a Russian boat, believe it or not, uh, to Istanbul in Turkey. And then from Turkey to Greece, Athens, which we waited for our documents to come from Canadian embassy. And we uh, stayed there for five years. And uh, in 1995, uh, finally, we got our final papers and we emigrated to Canada to a country, to a country that would uphold our rights, where we could be free from tyranny, where we can uh, build our business and be left alone uh, by dictatorship. However, you know, and I know, and anyone that has brains right now sees that that's no longer the case. We're being taken over by communism in this country. Yeah. And so, Arthur, uh, explain the feelings that you had when you arrived in Canada and realized that you were free um, and you could live out your life as you had hoped to. Well, there's nothing like freedom. Every man was born to be free. And when you are experienced what I experienced, you, you know, the first opportunity to actually achieve something in life and do because in Poland you could work very hard it didn't matter because everyone was receiving the same salary you know a few bucks here and there but it was not enough you you had to work 20 years to buy a car you had to work 30 years to uh, to buy a house which was never yours because you could not possess the property everything was owned by the state and that's exactly what they're trying to do right now they say to you you will own nothing and you will be happy well we owned very little in poland and i'm telling you the nation and the people of poland were not happy that's why you had the revolution in 1981 millions of polish people were not happy that's why they took it to the streets uh, but we've heard this before there's this big fat lie going on around in uh, during centuries of those people just uh, trying to enslave us once again so until people are okay with this they will keep pushing the moment people will take it to the streets and start pushing back then you will get back your freedoms until then you will become a slave and listen to me you will become a slave. That's what they want. That's their agenda. They're implementing that agenda. And they're, they're using this crisis uh, to implement the globalization and enslavement of the population. It's time to stand up and fight or else. Yeah. 
And I wish, I wish Canadians would take your words very, very, and, and take heed to them very, very closely because here is a gentleman who isn't a crazy lunatic, you're not a conspiracy theorist. You've lived through what the government in Canada is trying to put us presently through. People need to listen to what you're saying because it's not a crazy conspiracy. It is unfolding all around us and the, and the warning signs are there without question. Yes. So, Arthur, uh, you know, shift gears for a moment um, and look at your life path. How did you become a pastor? Well, that's a complicated stuff. People can watch a documentary that was done on my life. It's called Street Advocate. I was absolutely not interested in Christianity. I grew up in Catholicism, in a Catholic nation, and the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy of the government, hypocrisy of the religion, was so big i actually walked away from god i walked away from any form of religion i always said that it's better to work with mafia because at least you know the rules than to be part of the religion that uh, is such a huge lie and hypocrisy but i've met my wife marjana and she was a born-again christian and she was always telling me about god and she was telling me that god has nothing to do with corruption actually he hates corruption just as much as i hated the lie and the hypocrisy so from time to time i would go to the church and from time to time i would listen to the preaching and i started to read the bible and i received christ for the first time in early 90s and i walked uh, i went back to the business i went back to drinking and then again in 95 97 and 99 believe it or not i was a hard case for god it took me it took my wife many years to convince me uh, that i need god because most of the people even don't know that they need god i was depressed i was suicidal i tried to commit suicide I was an alcoholic, drinking, and yet at the same time, I was making lots of money. So, you know, people, when they look at me outside, they thought I have everything together. I was driving sport cars and walking in fancy clothes, but I was miserable. I, was, I never had peace. I was suicidal, depressed, and I was drinking every single day. So it took a while for her to, to preach to me, to show me that my, my life is going to turn for the good if I would only accept God back into my life. So that took seven years and my son was born. My son was born with a heart on the opposite side, smashed lungs. And that was, I think, the first time that I realized there are certain things you cannot buy with money. You cannot buy happiness. You cannot buy freedom, really, a real freedom, not talking about bribing someone getting out of the chain uh, freedom in the heart freedom in the mind because you can be behind bars and you can be the freest man on the planet earth so i realized that there is something like health you cannot really buy and family and you know so i started to think about those things and when my son was dying i had my little fight with god i was in rebellion and i made my peace with him and uh, it was going on for a few weeks it's a story that takes me an hour and a half to tell so that's why i'm telling you uh watch the documentary if you're interested in why i do what i do it's called street advocate so um he healed my son uh, my son is 21 years old right now he's starting to become a lawyer and i during the time when my son was dying and the doctor said that he doesn't have a chance of survival I gave him my word that 
from that moment, I will serve him for the rest of my life, even if he will not heal my son. So here I am. I kept my word. He kept his word. He's keeping me alive. He's keeping my family alive. And uh, I'm preaching the gospel, feeding the poor. We are on the streets of Calgary, feeding thousands of people, homeless. And I started over 40 ministries like this in different countries, orphanages in Africa and medical clinic and churches. I um, also run an organization that is called March for Jesus. We organize Christian festivals in different continents, different countries. And that's what I do. Fantastic. And, and that's through uh, Street Church Ministry. Is that correct? Street Church Ministries. Yeah, it's a church on the streets where we bring the gospel to the poor and we feed them at the same time. We have worship. We pray for people. We we just want to give hope to the hopeless, to the people that no one else wants to take care of, the people that are neglected, thrown out, uh, barred from shelters because of their abuse of drugs or alcohol or just because simply they're violent or running away from authorities. And if we will not feed those types of people, they're going to whack your head. They're going to break into your house, into your garage, and they're going to get the necessities of life. So we establish a church strictly for them. Everyone is welcome to come as they please and walk out anytime they want. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So in my introduction, I briefly covered the situation of the health inspectors uh, violating your Passover service. Uh, can you give us some more details about the events, uh, what led up to this event, and, and what has transpired since? Well, this whole thing is 30 months ordeal. When the COVID hysteria uh, came about, I received a letter from the city hall telling me I have to stop feeding the poor. I disagreed. So I started to have police officers. I was the first clergyman in Canada to receive the COVID ticket. Now I got, uh, I got 29 of them. So I got a nice, a nice, a nice collection of toilet paper. Collection of those things. Uh, I'm facing a millions of dollars in fines, and uh, I can be arrested any time right now. There's actually an application that I read today. My lawyer forwarded to me that they're seeking to charge me with the contempt of court order. So 30 months ago, the police showed up, 12 of them. And I was told that I cannot feed the poor anymore, and that's final. I disagreed, so they slapped me with $1,200 ticket. I became the first clergyman to get a COVID ticket in Canada, and my parishioner was shoved, assaulted, and I was told that I will be arrested, and if I will not stop doing what I do, I may end up with a million-dollar ticket. Hmm. Uh, so they started to show up from time to time, and they would intimidate our parishioners. They would harass our volunteers and I would end up with another COVID ticket. And that was going on until December. In December, the federal, provincial and municipal government declared they're canceling Christmas. They said, you're not allowed to have your parents. You cannot visit anyone. Uh, that's it. They are total lockdown. They're canceling everything and they're canceling Christmas. So I said, you know, you can cancel yourself. We're canceling you. You cannot cancel God. <laughs> And I invited people to come to the biggest Christmas celebration in the country. And lots of people showed up. We had the Christmas carols. We had uh, preachers and musicians and testimonies. We fed lots of people for a whole day. We had AAA steaks for them and gifts for the homeless. It was a beautiful event. And we also had over 100 police officers, about 52 police cars and about 20 bicycles, uh, caps on bicycles, and I end up with 11 
more COVID tickets. So that was in outdoor events, events, um, hunting us down, taking pictures, videotaping, intimidating, and a ticket would come from time to time. But they never came and harassed us indoors because I also pastor at other church, uh, which is a building where I teach history and they hate that. They hate me teaching people history because history teaches us not, not what not to do. We can learn from the mistakes of the past generations. Uh, they very much hate that approach. And um, I teach, of course, theology, Bible. So they started to come at our parking lot and they would block the parking, the entrance to our parking lot, preventing people from driving in. Again, intimidation, harassment. And we fed off those hyenas only a few weeks later for them to come back to our parking lot again, taking pictures, intimidating, videotaping. And, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, when they wanted to harass you as a man, they would use a, a blackmail tactics. They would take pictures of your wife and your children to put the pressure on the man. And that's exactly what those fascists and communists of today are doing right now with the assistance of the peace officers and the police. So we fend off those hyenas and I thought maybe they would just leave us be. But during the Eastern celebration, the Passover, I was already in the church, the choir was preparing, the prayer warriors started to pray and then suddenly I turned my head to the left and here are they right in the middle of the sanctuary coming in like to a restaurant with their guns and their uniforms, their weapons, the tasers, handcuffs. I mean, how dare they? They were told they would be trespassing, but they don't care. Again, they don't care about the law. Communism, fascism doesn't care about the law. They are making law as they go. So I told them politely to get out. They refused. So someone counted that I had to say over 30 times to them to get out of this property. And eventually they did only a few weeks later to come back with this judge's order. And the judge's name or irony is Gates. Can you imagine? <laughs> you can't make no. this stuff up. The judge's name in Calgary is David Gates. I don't know if he is a cousin to Bill Gates. I have no idea, but he, they came and they had a secret meeting. Imagine that. That's what communists are doing. That's what fascists are doing. They are afraid to come in the open. Everything they're doing right now is in secret. And then they bring it open in the public, but you have no means to defend yourself because everything was done behind your back. And that's exactly what they did. They did not notify me. They did not notify our lawyers, which they knew we have because of the other COVID tickets. They just went straight to the judge and they managed to get that order from Gates, the judge in the city of Calgary, to arrest me with every force they deemed necessary and to enter any premises without a warrant. Now they don't need a warrant. Wow. They don't need a warrant to come to your house. They don't need a warrant to come to the church. They can arrest me right now if they want. Uh, here while I'm talking to you, break the door and do the Gestapo style. And uh, so that's, they showed up the next time, three weeks later, after the video went viral, over a billion people watched that. And uh, it was number one video played during the Easter weekend. 
And I thought maybe this will stop those villains from breaking the law. But no, section of the criminal code 176 for them means absolutely nothing. Interfering with the clergyman means nothing to them. Section 1, 2 and 3 interfering with the with the ongoing church services means nothing to them. They just want to walk in with their dead, you know, dirty boots and interfere, harass peaceful Christians. And the judge agreed with them that they can do that from 8 to 8 p.m., any time of the day, every day, and with whomever they wish. So the next time they showed up with, guess what? With a SWAT team team. With a SWAT team, they came and they knocked at the door and they demanded that we would let them in. I started to read the court order, but I could not even finish because this wannabe Nazi was was interrupting me. So finally I said, get out and uh, I'll send this to the lawyer and talk to the lawyer. And they left only to come back half hour later and they tried that again. So right now, as we speak, they I received the documents that they are trying to get me uh, in trouble with the judge for contempt of court order that I didn't let them in. However, it's all illegal what they're doing. It's a lie because they, first of all, didn't give me the chance to read the document. They did it in secret. I was not um, I was not able to contact my lawyer and to find out is this real, you know, what's going on? No, they didn't send me. They did not send me the court order before. They just slammed me and they demanded that I would just let them in. A total lawlessness, total Nazi Gestapo style, the communists once again. So as we stand right now, last Saturday, I took the church outside of the church building. I opened the door. I said, you want to come in? Go inspect the empty chairs if that's what you want. But we're going to, to have a church outdoors. And that's what I'm planning to do tomorrow. Good for you. Good for you. So, Archer, I just wanted to uh, back the conversation up slightly. And you said that you've been ministering to uh, thousands of uh, homeless parishioners and feeding them. In that time span over the last 14 months now, I guess it is, have any of those um, homeless people or street people died from COVID or even contracted COVID? Well, no one would know. We know that uh, they're coming and we see the same faces. Uh, People are coming and... uh, I've heard of the abuse. I've heard of homeless people being arrested and against their will taken to a 30-day concentration camp, mm-hmm. uh, completely illegally. Uh, but they had no means to defend themselves, no lawyers to stand for them. So um, this is what I've heard. I've not heard of anyone on the streets dying because of COVID. But that doesn't mean that they did not uh, contract it. flu. Flu is every year and people do die every year because of flu. This is a flu with a bigger kick, I understand. Uh, I'm not denying that there are sicknesses. Of course, they are. I have been sick many times in my life and uh, usually every season I'll get a flu and a few days later I'm fine. My kids go to school and they are catching all kinds of bugs from other kids every year and that's a normal, normal thing. We have two seasons of flu in the fall and in the spring. And uh, right now, the government is saying that there is a miracle happening because there's absolutely no flu anymore. Well, let me suggest something to you that they're just classifying every every cold 
everything that is happening right now is COVID. Yeah, of course. And, and, and the reason I bring up the, the question on the, on the homeless or the street people, you would think that those people are some of the least healthy and most vulnerable people in our society. And therefore, if, there was, if this was a really pathogenic virus, there would be heaps of homeless people dead in the street. And we're not seeing that. And, th and that's the reason I wanted to uh, clarify that with you. Yeah, no, of course not. And, you know, just to add to this, in the city of Calgary 2020, we have seen less hosp hospitalizations than in 2018 and 2019. Actually, the truth is the data says that um, we had less people in emergency uh, since 2015. Yes, yes. So moving along then, uh, we look at the situation at Grace Life Church in Edmonton. Uh, this is obviously unprecedented in Canada to have a place of worship fenced off and made unavailable to the parishioners. Uh, what are your thoughts here? And are you possibly next in line for this sort of uh, tyrannical treatment? For sure, for sure. And, you know, again, I have been warning Canadians for the past 16 years that this is what is coming. I was laughed at. And here we are today. Who would imagine two years ago that Christians are going to be the enemy of the state, uh, target number one, and pastors will be jailed simply for not doing crimes, simply opening the church and praying for people and uh, giving them hope. But we are in this situation right now. And my, my advice to you is this. They're not going to stop. The history is teaching us that those people are not going to stop. They're going to keep coming. They're going to keep bullying. They're going to use medical terror because that's what it is. They're terrorists and they're going to take everything you have. They're going to come back for your savings, which are do which they're doing right now, your jobs and your houses. You're going to end up with nothing. If Canadians will not wake up, you only you're only going to have extremely powerful and rich, rich people. And then you have extremely poor. Yeah. And what they're doing to to the Christians, Christians historically have always been in opposition to tyranny in opposition to corruption and those types of people they have to be silenced so they're silencing us because we speak about lies and corruption and totalitarian government is built on corruption and lies so those people that are speaking the truth they have to be eliminated well, I think the, the powers to be since the Roman era have been trying to persecute the Christians and uh, we all seem to have uh, made it this far. So hopefully uh, there, there's some strength uh, that God provides all the Christians and that uh, we continue to move forward. Well, that's the thing. We know how the story ends. We know that we, we win in the end because God wins in the end. I mean, who is a man that can sh shake his fists at God you know, you come, you live, and you die, and you turn into dust, but God lives forever, and His truth will live forever, no matter how many totalitarian governments are going to to rise up. We know how the story ends. We know that God wins, and everyone that will stand with God is going to win as well. And, and that's the comfort that they have. Those people are evil, wicked people. They have no peace, just like I didn't have when I was an atheist or whatever. I, I believed in God. I just didn't want to have anything to do with God. Uh, so uh, they are, I pity them. Those people are poor and miserable, tormented. I don't think they can sleep uh, and they look in the mirror, just like the Nazis and the communists of old. And they're pushing their agenda. In the end of the day, they're going to die as well. They're going to destroy everything on their path and they're going to die and they're going to face God 
that doesn't take bribes and knows it all. And they're going to be accountable for everything they said and everything they did. Yes. It's just a matter of time. Yes. Amen. Uh, and, and are you in touch with uh, Pastor Coates uh, in terms of uh, providing a, a unified defense against these attacks, against uh, all of our God-given rights to freedom of worship? Well, we went to the church in solidarity. I hosted a rally on the steps of the courthouse in Edmonton, uh, demanding the release of Pastor Coates. And three days later, the government did release him. Um, so we're trying to do whatever we can. It's, you know, it's another big city. Uh, it's not close. It's three hours away. Uh, but that's the message. We have to unite. We have to come and work together tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have um, a church service, and I'm asking everyone that can to come in solidarity, uh, like we've done last week. We had about three, four hundred people. Hopefully, this, uh, you know, this church service we're going to have even more coming and fighting and standing for our rights. You know, the only thing that those corrupted people are fearing is people on the streets. They do not fear the petitions. They don't care about that stuff. But they do. Uh, they are afraid of the people coming together in solidarity. So, if you want to win your rights back, if you want to have a democracy, you gotta take it to the streets. You have to rally, come, and join the protests, or else. Yes. So, what, in your opinion, what can people do to escape the burden of fear and guilt which they've been presently subjected to? You know, wear a mask, socially distance you know, stay at home, all this garbage that they've been fed for the last 14 months, we're seeing a lot of people sort of throw up their hands in, in, in despair and say, well, what can I do? We, we had a conversation here not too long ago with a friend uh, who said, you know, I don't own anything anyway. I'm in debt. I don't care if, if I have a, a guaranteed basic income. I don't own anything now as it is. What difference does it make to me? Uh, what, what are some words that you can provide to people to, to, you know, get them to take off that mask, you know, become become a lion instead of a sheep and, and, and push back to, re to uh, regain their freedom before it's gone for good? Well, you know, that's the sad uh, part of your, uh, you know, this guy's statement. He doesn't owe anything, so he doesn't care. So he's a self selfish, evil, wicked man himself. If he doesn't care about other human beings, people that work all their lives, generation after generation, and he doesn't care that they're losing everything, then the guy is just wicked, evil himself. Uh, he's part of the problem. He is. He's part of the problem. I, I agree. Uh, he's enabling. I agree. He's I, enabling. Yeah. Every single person who has a mask on their face right now, you are complicit in your fellow man's demise at this point. You know, there, there, there is nothing that we need to worry about. You know, yes, there's a flu. Is it slightly more uh, severe than normal? Maybe, but we don't see the numbers even for that. So please, people, you know, take off your mask. You know, drop the fear, lose the fear. That's how they're controlling you. The moment that you're breathing fresh air and getting more oxygen in you and you're no longer feeling subdued and suppressed, new thoughts will come into your mind of, of you know, uh, betterment of, your, of where you stand in life. Open your business. You know, the thing is, if you're handing around hyenas, sooner or later you're going to act like a hyena. Uh, if you hang around with the coyotes or rats, you will look like them, smell like them, talk like them. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. And they have been doing this for 30, 40 years. They have turned our society into hyenas, selfish, self-centered, uh, just not a good people. And that's an easy target. When you hang around with lions, 
just a matter of time even if you're a cowardly person right now if you like courage i'm telling you if you hang around with lions sooner or later you're going to start walking like a lion you will look like a lion you will roar like a lion so stop hanging around with the hyenas turkeys or chickens because if you do you will end up on my grill you gotta become an eagle and fly above right yeah. so what do you want you want to be a slave well then fine be a slave i don't want to be a slave i was never born to be a slave i want to be a free man and to add to that jesus says very clearly who comes to him is free indeed that's what the devil doesn't like the devil is enslaving people jesus is setting the captives free i want to be free if you want to be a slave and be a good dog then wear a muzzle be on a leash of the government money fine i am a lion i want to roar roam the the savannas and i want to do it with my brothers and sisters so it's always a choice what do you want in life you want to be a loser that owns nothing has nothing and is under the boots of the government the government is giving you charity seriously that would be my words to that loser because that's what he is he is a loser and he wants to remain a loser i mean what a pathetic life uh, that he has i mean wow i don't want to be a loser i have never been uh, born to be a loser i want to be a victor i want to win this walk uh, by faith and i want to win with my god which is so awesome that he has given me freedom to be a winner and i have a choice i can be a loser or i can be a winner i have chosen to be a winner and I'm just simply saying to others, do not be a loser. Do not be a slave of the government. Join us and let's win our rights to be free together. If enough people will come and join, then the villains will have no choice but to resign. Amen, brother. Well said. Well said. Amen. So uh, obviously we don't interview many pastors on the show. And so it would, I think it would be reticent if we didn't uh, examine at least one scripture. Um, I believe that Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 is a very important message for all Canadians. Uh, would you care to read that for us? Um, just a second. I have to open my... Sure, sure. Ephesians. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. It's opening. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against this evil, the evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Well, that's um, 
uh, pretty much it for us on this side, Archer. Uh, you know, we, we thank you so much for all everything that you're doing uh, and inspiring uh, Canadians to, to stand up and provide this message of hope uh, and also the firsthand experience of what it is like to live under a communist uh, dictatorship, a totalitarian society. Uh, so oh, best of luck, sir. I uh, would imagine that all of that stack of toilet paper that you have, uh, the fines will be thrown out in, thrown out in a real court once it comes to pass. And um, if we get over to the Calgary side there, we'll uh, come and join you in one of your uh, services. Thank you very much. God bless you guys. God bless you too. Thank you, sir.